Welcome to Adaptation, the podcast that dives into all things self-optimization and self-discovery, helping you be your best inside and out. I'm your host, Steve Katazi, and today we have Bryn Jenkins back on the mics, this time to touch on a subject close to many people's hearts this year, the year of COVID, and that is how to exercise in a way that helps improve longevity, wellness, and a pain-free existence. This year has seen a major shift in priorities of gym goers. Losing weight and looking good is still important because let's face it, a good looking physique is a healthy physique. But now shoring up people's defenses against infectious disease and old age has come into sharp focus. Up until this year, it's been too easy to give longevity and wellness goals lip service, but not really commit to it. Why? Well, I guess it comes down to it being less tangible and obvious. You simply don't know you haven't got vitality and true wellness until you finally experience what it feels like to have it. Or, quote-unquote, healthy people start getting seriously ill and or passing away. There are, of course, several priorities to wellness and longevity, and all of them need a lifelong commitment. Today, however, we focus on deliberate gym training, specifically weight training, as a means to keep good body function, healthy, pain-free joints, impressive age-appropriate strength, healthy muscle mass, appropriate flexibility, and great posture. As Bryn trains many people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, you can be rest assured his guidance is absolutely appropriate and effective for all ages, all fitness levels, and all levels of training experience. You'll get the benefit of learning about the most effective training structure and principles used by top athletes around the world, but made accessible to everyone. And to make it easier to visualize, follow along, and give people a solid place to start, Bryn has kindly created an example three-day weight training program completely free of charge. You can download this editable Excel training program template by heading over to the full show notes at Adaptation, which also doubles up as a nifty training log. Look, it was a great episode. It is a keeper for my archives for sure. Oh, and a little disclaimer, excuse me for my odd cough here and there, because I had managed, very embarrassingly, to completely choke on my glass of water while speaking to Bryn face to face. It was hideous, coughing for a couple of minutes, red face sweating, the works. Luckily though, we edited out most of this coffin fit, but there is a few stragglers that linger on. But hey, I want to give you assurances. Don't worry, I didn't have COVID, because wouldn't that be ironic? As always, you can check out the full show notes by clicking the link within the description of this episode. And if this discussion resonates with you, please help others find our show by leaving a five-star rating or review in your podcast app and tagging us or sharing this episode on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Lastly, if you want to take your personal growth and wellness to the next level, then do check out our Be Your Best self-optimization journey, which is an online self-improvement program like no other, letting you into the human code and helping realize your full potential and to be your best. You can find more details and podcast listener discounts in the episode notes. Okay, without further delay, I hope you get a ton of value 
from this super informative and practical discussion with the knowledgeable and generous Bryn Jenkins on gym training for longevity and wellness. Hey Bryn, how you doing man? Not too bad, it's been keeping well. Thanks for having me on again. Ah, it's always a pleasure, man. Uh, I'm glad that we do this, even though um, social distancing and the restraints put upon us would otherwise make it difficult, but we find the time and I think we need it, man. I I need more face-to-face time with people. Are you you getting much social time with people right now? We're not really. No, we we see family, like immediate family. Mm -hmm. Uh, Beyond that, we've seen a couple of people over the last two, three months, but it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult because there are... It's hard to read whether people want to see you. Yeah. And it's, um, do you want to see others? Mm. Especially if you're starting to recognize that your worldviews are so different. Mm. It's like, do I want to have an argument? <laughs> do, I want, do I want to have a problem? Do I want to expose that you and I see things completely differently? Because once we do, are we both going to be able to get along with each other? Mm. So I think for all those reasons, I just haven't seen a lot of hey, people I think you've been pretty busy as well, haven't you? I'm busy, yes. Yeah. How about you? Everything been all right? Yeah, yeah. Things are good, but uh, just been busy myself with um, just life, little Josh, um, and work really. So, but things are keeping well. So all good. good. And the gym is it working out all right? Yeah, gym. People gym's leaving you good. alone. Uh, what's that? Sorry. People leaving you alone, letting you run your business. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the latest um, restrictions haven't affected us. Uh, the restrictions have they being, not? Yeah. So the ones that so the governing body is UK Active. Um, so they'll they'll usually inform our industry shortly after there's a briefing. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, we weren't quite sure what to make of it, but, um, none of the news so far has impacted our gym and our business to be fair is going fairly well. Um, we've had quite a few new signups recently. Um, I think people first two weeks post lockdown, people were like just wanting to get away and go on holiday and, and buy things and stuff. And we didn't really have any uptake where we thought, well, Surely people want to be returning to the gym. They're desperate to come back. But after that two-week phase, we now suddenly had an influx of people going, like, now I've kind of had a bit of a, a splurge or whatever after lockdown. Now I want to get back into routine. Kids are back at school um, yeah. or going back to school. And then I now want to start training again. So The school thing is, has probably been the trigger event to yeah. get people back to normality to some degree. Yeah. Let's just hope that they keep keep going because I, I know we're – we're on tender hooks at the moment. Exactly. Um, just give the date for everyone. This is the 25th of September. Mm-hmm. And um, there have been additional restrictions that were uh, called out just a couple of days ago, right? Yeah. So that, you know, more mask wearing and yeah. some indoor sports to stop. And uh, the, the threatening action of circuit breakers or some form of kind of yeah. temporary lockdown could be imminent. But so far, obviously, everything everything yeah. is still open and you guys are still running, which is great. Yeah, fingers crossed. And I mean, we want to keep serving our members as well because, I mean, we know one of the biggest causes of um, death when it comes to, or supposedly come, when it comes to like COVID and things like this. And I know there's a lot of um, information flying around at the moment, but we know that the better health you are in, the, the better you're going to be. So 100%. we've got a lot of members coming in just being like, you know what, like, I think, during lockdown, I've realized I just need to look after my health. So we're having a lot of people there and we want to continue it's not serving. Just, I want to look great in the mirror. It's like, I, I recognize it's not just, yeah, it's not just mirror muscles or, or how I, how good I look in my jeans. I want to be healthy. And yeah. whilst that's always been, been there in the background, yeah. it's quite ephemeral. It's like, it doesn't really mean anything. But I think this year has centered people on 100%. what health actually is. It means yeah. robustness. Yeah. 
right? Oh, 100%. Now, so the the topic that I want to talk about today is is training for longevity. Okay. Part of that as well is training um, pain-free. And I want to um, preface this by saying you're never going to be 100% pain-free when training. There's always going to be an element of risk whilst training. But when it comes to longevity, this is a conversation I'm having with a lot of people now is that they're coming back and going, you know what? Yeah, I do want to look good and take pride and I want to lose body fat and gain muscle and all of that. However... I know that my health is extremely important. And I think that this year has just highlighted that. Mm. And um, we we have, I mean, I prefer having conversations like that because they're not so shallow. They're not just talking about how you look, but they're how you feel in terms of energy. Um, You know, you're uh, just enhancing your life, making training enhance your life. And at the end of the day, that's what training should do. You should leave training feeling well-trained, not well-drained, and that you shouldn't be taking away from your lifestyle. You should be feeling like it's enhancing it. Mm. And um, I feel like this whole COVID situation, lockdown, has kind of moved the discussion in that direction. That's Um, good. I mean, you you have a slightly older clientele generally from like the average gym. Yeah. The people that come to your gym because it's a more expensive gym and the location just basically its demographic is slightly older, right? So maybe yeah. they're a little bit more tuned in on the fact that longevity is a thing, right? When you're 20, yeah. you don't really think about it, right? Exactly. And I, I think like, uh, yeah, I mean, when you have grandkids and you have, or just kids of your own, you do start thinking longer term yes. and you start thinking, actually, I want to see them grow up and I want to be part of that as well. And I want to be um, able-bodied to like join in and play with them. Um, so yeah, the majority of our clients at the gym, typically between... We got some some youngsters in their twenties and then in their thirties, but then mostly they're sort of in their forties and fifties, yeah. and then a few in their sixties and, and and actually a bit which older. Which is great because they these people don't necessarily have a place which is supportive, helpful, and yeah. progressive for them, do they? Exactly, and and so with with the type of person who I want to talk to today is the type of person that I would see in, in the gym who okay. is typically like maybe a parent or someone that's quite ambitious, someone that has the mindset of like. Uh, someone's just quite ambitious, so wants to always be on the go and kind of in that, let's say, like never taking downtime and taking time to relax. And they think the answer is going harder or doing more. Um, and I know me and you have do this and we have experienced this. We, you know, push back on sleep a little bit sometimes or we'll just work long hours or we'll get a bit obsessive over certain things. And I think that's just a trait of someone that's ambitious, right? You just kind of go a little bit harder and attack things. But typically that can lead to burnout, that can lead to inefficiency, it can lead to injuries, it can lead to lack of motivation. Um, And I see this in the gym, or I see this in the training industry as a whole. Um, And I'm not talking about just as, as like PTs and stuff, I'm talking about the industry in terms of just the general population. When they go into the gym, a lot of people think, right, I must almost begrudgingly go to the gym beat myself beat myself into submission and and i'll do three spins a week i'll do zumba and body pump and then i'll go and do uh, i'll go for a five mile run and then i'll it's a tax it's like i've been a bad boy let me go to the gym to fix my woes you know my my drinking you know my my eating my my general lifestyle is beating me down we go to the gym to beat myself down a little bit more and somehow that's going to be net positive yeah and I think it's it's a framing issue, isn't it? It's not necessarily an action issue. It's a framing issue. Like, what is the gym for? And as you've said, it should enable you to live your life better. Yeah. Right? Look better, feel better, perform better, be healthier. It should be an enabler, not a tax. 
And I think that frame, as you've said, quite often people in the latter, aren't they? They look at this as a, yeah. this is punishment for overeating. hundred percent. And, and, and yeah, you'll see that, oh, I've had a bad weekend. So now I want to train. I want to work even harder because of that. And I'm actually like, well, actually, sometimes you need to do the opposite and not train as hard. So you get, I mean, you get um, HRV and all sorts of tracking watches now like whoop and stuff that tell you your recovery and say basically all right you've had poor sleep this weekend you've been on the booze uh, you've not eaten very well and by because it, it's obviously monitoring you it's saying all right don't push today because if you push today you're more likely to get injured or ill or whatever so um actually taking that approach going harder when you've Eat, not eating well and had a heavy weekend is probably not a good idea. You actually need to give your body a little bit more rest yeah. and whatnot. And I'm not perfect. I mean, I, I think we all do it because there's only so many days of not being perfect when you go, do you know what? Yeah. I've got to work out. I can't keep saying that the HRV saying I shouldn't train because yeah. I need to train at some point. Exactly. And sometimes it's that first step that allows you to then bring that structure, that discipline and get the momentum going, mm. right? So sometimes you have to train even though you don't want to train or you don't think it's right or you feel your body's not going to perform. Mm. Sometimes you just got to get in the gym and do the work and that yeah. kind of builds Definitely. builds the momentum up. But that's different from saying, I don't need to train today, but I must because I said I should, mm. even though you, you kind of know your body's not in the right place. And, that and that yeah. is different. If you're already in the momentum taking days out when you're listening to your body, I think is a sensible idea. When you have zero momentum, getting in the gym because you feel shit is probably better than waiting yeah. until you feel great. Exactly. And I, I almost feel like that, what you're talking there is like the middle ground. And it's like, I'll see either two types of people. Um, some people that go into the gym don't train hard enough and don't place enough uh, stimulus to allow for uh, a positive adaptation. And then you'll get other people that will train too hard and at the end of the day, training is a stress. It's knowing how much stress, how much of that dose to apply to your body so it can positively adapt. So um, what you typically will see is someone going too hard, too much, and then they can't positively adapt from that overload mm. of stress, right? But then you also see um, someone that's uh, kind of giving themselves the excuse of, oh, I've had a poor weekend. and things. So it's finding that middle ground and going, I need to allow myself to work hard um, and train hard, train like a beast, you know, train hard. However, I also need to recover well and make sure I recover from that training, not overreach, but I need to push hard enough to elicit some sort of response. So that's kind of why I wanted to talk about essentially this two part process where what part one is training and a bit of a process in which or approach that I typically take when it comes to training to okay. mitigate this. Okay. Um, the second part is then looking at recovery. Okay. So if you're happy to go, we'll start yeah, no. with, with So with let's training. just be clear. The frame here is we're talking about pain-free training and longevity. So how to train in a way which is sustainable and healthy mm -hmm. for your body, right? Because I think that's what you're really saying is mm -hmm. how to train to be healthy versus less to, to the, you know, the muscle heads, less talk to the people that just want to get jacked. And this is, this applies. Yeah. But the essence behind your guidance here is going to be around health, sustainability, and ultimately longevity of movement, longevity yep. of your body, and just wellness, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so let's, let's frame that. So then, so you're going to hit training, and then you'll talk about the other things that support training so you can continue to train for a long time. Exactly. Okay. So you can train hard. So, um, and a lot of these uh, methods that I use are from strength and conditioning coaches, which are used on high level athletes okay. to allow them to train hard. But we're not talking to athletes, talking to the, to the general Joe public who just want to train 
and obviously enhance their lifestyle. Yeah. So a lot of these things kind of carry over. So anyway, so starting with one of the first topics is, and, and it's becoming more of a thing now, which is breathing. Breathing, I used to overlook, but the way that we live nowadays, we sit at a desk, um, we have high stress jobs, or we just got busy lifestyles and we're like, we got all these social anxieties and commitments and we've got kids, typically both parents who usually be working nowadays. So we have all these daily stresses and we've got things binging and bonging and stuff and all these apps going off. So it means that it creates a lot of stress in our life. And this just leads to like poor posture, poor energy, um, which eventually will lead to poor movement patterns when you're training. And it can lead to just a lack of energy when you're training. And eventually, it, I mean, if I'm not breathing correctly, I'm going to end up with sort of, or more often than not, you end up with like shoulder pain because you have like tight chest muscles, you have tight abs and diaphragm. So having a focus on breathing, and there are many of te many techniques and ways in which you can do that, which you can look into yourselves if you actually want to dive into that. But just knowing that breathing is a critical part to enhance your training and allow you to train ongoing and avoid injury. So when I'm warming up myself or I'm warming up a client, for example, we'll run through some breathing drills and we'll do circumferential breathing where we take deep breaths in, try and get that diaphragm moving, try and get the ribs moving. That will help get your upper back, your T-spine moving. That will improve your shoulder mobility. Um, that will that will get rid of the um, constant state of inhalation that we're in, which means we we lower the levels of CO2 mm. in our body. Because we're, breath we're breathing quick and fast. Quick and fast. As opposed to excelling and, and exhausting out yeah. your CO2 as much. So you kind of, it's not accumulating as such, but you're not, you're not fully oxygenating your body. Yeah. You're not going through that whole gas exchange because you're breathing too shallow. Exactly. And then right. it kind of is an accumulation because eventually you have this buildup and then that elicits a, a, a response from your nervous system, which means that you're in this fight or flight state too much mm -hmm. and you're not in the rest and digest enough. So it's trying to get your body into that rest and digest state. Now that kind of sounds backwards. Why would you do that for a warm up for training? Mm -hmm. Problem is, if you're sitting down at your desk all day and you're stressed and you've been busy and then you come into the gym, you do a few jumping jacks, run on the treadmill, and then you get under a barbell and try and do some back squats, guess what? You're probably going to have pretty poor form. Um, it's going to feel horrible and you're probably going to end up with some sort of joint pain because it's all about positioning. Right. So breathing will allow you to bring down, down that tonality and allow you to kind of open up. Your muscles will start to yield. Okay. But you're not you're not trying to do you know when people hear breathing these days they they think about mindfulness meditation yeah. and you know that calming parasympathetic chill yeah right which I think is very important maybe we'll cover that in the second half of this discussion but specifically in your preparation for moving how is what you're saying different from kind of meditative breathing is it different because I guess you could go too far mm. yeah down the parasympathetic route. And now you too relax. So, so exactly. what does what does the breathing that you're you're prescribing look and feel like? Well, I kind of do want to turn up the dial of the the parasympathetic state a little bit just to kind of chill you out before because we've got a few other steps that we'll take that will then amp you back up before you train. Okay. But also the other thing as well is that your um the the breathing that you're doing isn't sort of the airy fairy kind of relaxed breathing that you do say when you're trying to do, go for like mindfulness and stuff. It's a bit more, um, uh, I don't know what the word I'm trying to look In, for. But intentional? 
bit more intentional. Yeah. So when you're, let's say you inhale, you inhale, you're trying to circumferentially expand your, your, so you expand your lungs, your ribs expand circumferentially. Now, as you exhale, you exhale hard and long. When you do that, you'll feel your ribs come down. Kind of collapsing as you're escaping of, all the air yeah, from your body. exactly. Right. And you'll feel that your abs and your obliques, all your core muscles basically tighten up. So it's almost like you're training the core in a Got way. It. okay. And then you start going, okay, a lot of it as well is just training your body to go, I need my ribs to be facing my, um, my pelvis or my diaphragm needs to be facing my pelvic floor so that my core is working optimally and functioning the way it should be ready for heavy lifting. Okay. That makes sense. So So it's deliberate breathing in, deliberate breathing out. Yeah. You know, you're kind of, you know, you're not forcing per se, but that at least exhalation is a kind of forceful escaping of air. And you're doing that to engage the muscles and move the muscles and create some, create some freedom of that kind of tense structures in and around your core. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, We'll do that. We won't spend long on it. We'll spend, you know, you a might minute. do 10 deep breaths. So you okay. might do a minute or two minutes. Then I would typically move on to some sort of myofascial release. And that's the fascial tissue that we have sort of wrapped in and around our muscles. Um, and we try again to, to bring down that tonality of the muscle. So if you've got things like tight chest, like pec muscles and tight hip flexors. Now foam rolling and also a bit of stretching. We don't do much stretching, but we might just bring you in and out of a, a, a stretch just to kind of um, move things around a little, a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now what we want to, or what we're trying to do here is trying to bring down the tonality of those muscles that have been chronically tight all day. Um, and then trying to, once we've done that, use that opportunity, that window, whilst we've kind of relaxed and, and got that a little bit more freedom of movement, we're then trying to activate, which is the next step, activate the opposing muscles. So, as an example, if you foam roll your hip flexors or you stretch and open up your hip flexors, we there then have a, a, a trainability window where you've just improved a little bit of range of motion. So you're a little bit freer through the hip flexors. Yeah. So now what we're going to do, we're going to work the hip extensors. We're going to work the glutes and the hamstrings and the muscles that typically extend your hips. So we're going to go, okay, well, let's shut down or, or tone down, sorry, those muscles at the front. And we're going to turn on the ones at the back so that when you're obviously going to go into an exercise where you're doing a barbell uh, deadlift, where you need that hip extension, or even if you're going and doing back squats, for an example, um, you're going to move much better if you've brung down the, um, the if you turn the dial down in terms of hip flexors and then turned it up in terms of hip extensors like glutes, hamstrings. So give, give us a so, workable example then. So is this going to be specific to the individual or is this going to be specific to the movement or both? So... I'm just trying to make this um, almost prescriptive. So someone's done the breathing and now they're going to do some kind of release and they're going to do some kind of activation. Give us one what common drill based on the kind of people that you have and the workouts that you do. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it, typically it will be for your lifestyle. If you are someone that's more sedentary and you sit a bit more and you work at a desk, which let's be honest, is the majority of people nowadays, um, you're you're going to see the same thing. You're going to see all the anterior, all the muscles at the front of your body basically get short and tight mm-hmm. and all the muscles at the back get long and weak. So your right. hamstrings, your glutes, your upper back. So um, let's say you're going to go into an upper body push day where you're doing bench press or press ups. Um, 
that's where I would look to open up the chest first. So we might foam roll the pecs. So we might foam roll the shoulders, even the biceps. The biceps, if your elbow's in that flex position all day and you're on a keyboard, your biceps are going to need sort of working on. So I would typically work on maybe... Uh, a, so here's where I might combine a stretch with breathing. So I might get them into a pec stretch and I'll say right now, hold that pec stretch. Let's focus on breathing. As you exhale... That's going to help you to relax and open up. But also, as you're doing that, feel your abs and obliques contract, feel your ribs come down. So we, we you can actually combine those two. Then you'd move into some form of activation where you might do band pull-aparts, you might do band dislocations, you might do uh, a drill way called YTW, where you rely on your front and you bring your arms overhead into a Y position, then into a T and into a W position. I mean, if you search this online, you can see yep. videos on there. And that then is firing up those muscles in your in and around the shoulders, in the upper back. So now you've kind of loosened off the front from sitting all day and being hunched over. And now you're just starting to fire up and activate the muscles in your upper back. And then when you go into bench press, you just you your shoulders will be in better position. And again, it comes down to positioning when how training. Long, how long will you give in your gym? Obviously, you're directing people doing this. How long are they going to spend in in this kind of a stretching and activation? Uh, again, a few minutes. It won't be long. It'll be like two to three sets of, of, of doing two or three exercises. So, um, I mean, overall, the whole warm-up typically takes 10 to 15 minutes. So you do a bit of breathing, you do a bit of myofascial release or some stretching, then you'll do some activation and then obviously, and then movement prep, which I'll cover next. Okay. Um, and that will typically take sort of um 10 minutes 15 minutes it's quite and a long time isn't it it is a when fair thing about how long they're going to be in the gym yeah and, and that time could be less if you're someone that's not a sedentary okay. and you you don't have any aches and pains and you're in pretty good alignment versus someone and, and if you're a bit younger versus someone that's a bit older working at a desk then we might go actually like if we want to enhance your lifestyle you need to spend more time on preparation but preparation like don't get it wrong. Like it can be hard as well. And before you get to your main lift, you should be sweating. You should be feeling good. You should be feeling like you've had a bit of a workout already. Um, your body's got to be warm, primed, and ready exactly. to move. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and you don't want to. You don't want to because sometimes you see people overdo the warm up and they spend an hour doing the warm up yeah, yeah. and it's like just get on a lift. Like just just get under the bar now. But ten to fifteen minutes is is a good amount okay. of time. And one last question on this um, this MFR stuff, uh, myofascial release. You, you said uh, foam rolling quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm guessing you're not going for full on um, myofascial release in a you know a pointed, deliberate kind of rehabby way because that's painful and it takes a long time. So if you're going to try and open up your quad and you've got a really tight quad, every single millimeter of your quad is going to hurt. Mm -hmm. If you do it properly and you do it slowly mm -hmm. and you rock in and out of positions of pain i i can take 20 30 minutes on one quad and it's excruciating the whole time mm. if i'm doing it in the evening and i've just decided that i've got a bit too tight mm. clearly that's not what you're going to be doing in this instance no. the reason i mention that is you find a lot of people that use foam rollers and it looks completely pointless they're rolling back and forward on their it band or on their quad but they're not stopping to actually pause to actually create any release yeah they're just running up and down their quads super quick. So 
Is that what you're doing in this instance or is it more targeted? It's more targeted. So it'll be on that specific body part that you want to kind of tone down a little bit. And it's not necessarily just the tissues you're working on. It's also the the sensory feedback your body's getting from that. So you're, if you apply pressure to your chest, you're then going to probably let go of a little bit of tension through there, albeit that it's not so uncomfortable and um, painful that you're like having to, grimace and you're you're actually doing the opposite and you're actually tensing up you want to be able to do it and kind of breathe into it so yep. let's say you roll your chest and you find a tight pocket hold it there and breathe and relax and sink into it and let that work if you're not feeling much that's fine just spend like 30 seconds and we right. don't actually spend that long on it because with foam rollers you don't need much to elicit the response you need like 20 20 30 seconds maybe up to a minute per body part and then go on to the activation work because the foam roller will give you a pretty immediate um, like sensory feedback. Then, But then you only have a short uh, what we call trainability window in which um, you'll have that new range where then you go and do activation work to help anchor Got that it. new position. Whereas a lot of people, they'll foam roll and they'll spend far too long in the foam roll. It's like by the time they get to their upper body and they did their lower body half an hour ago, you've lost that you've lost that opportunity. Okay. So it's taking that Trainability. So I'll only do one thing. I'll be like, right, you're doing bench press or you're starting with bench press and upper body. Let's get your pecs. Now let's activate the upper this back. This is very different to structured rehab work because I've done structured rehab work using myofascial release techniques, mm-hmm. foam rollers, balls, etc. The way I use that is very different to what you're describing, but I'm actually looking for tissue. Um, I'm, I'm trying to actually... Um, separate the tissue fibers that have got stuck. Mm. And I'm not doing this before I work out. I'm doing this at some other point in the day. As like recovery. So that kind of recovery rehab stuff is very different to what you're saying, which is more around sensory awakening and making yeah. sure you feel that muscle and you've kind of loosened up just enough. And then you've, yeah, I get that. That makes perfect sense. Cause your, your, your body almost lets go of that tension. And that's where you then, cause you're, you, things are tight for a reason. They're usually tight cause they're protecting something. Um, so it might be your lower back is is tight because you're protecting your spine because you've got a lack of um, core stability. Core is supposed to stabilize your spine. If your core is not doing its role, then something else will have to. And um, yeah, if you foam roll, your body might let go of that tension briefly, but it will go, okay, your core is still weak. So I'm still going to hold on to that tension. So no matter how much you foam roll, it won't, it it won't, won't let go until, you, yeah, until, until you strengthen, strengthen it. So it's got like, it. okay, what allows us to get into your core as effectively as possible, that will be loosening up the lower back, the the, the extent, extensor muscles in your lumbar. Let's kind of get you in the right position through breathing, myofascial release. Now we can get your core firing. Perfect. Sorry for laboring that, but I think it was no, important good. that we made sense of it. So now we're over to what? Move, movement prep? Yeah, movement prep, movement prep is just preparing the body for a specific skill or movement. So if you're doing back squat, we'll do movement prep will look like the back squat. For example... If you're, you've got back squat in your uh, session that day, we would do goblet squats. So you, you're going to hold a kettlebell or a dumbbell in front of you and you're going to do squats to at a lighter weight that allows you to practice the skill, practice the movement, see if anything feels tight, if anything feels off. Um, plus, it's going to warm up your legs, your core temperature. It's going to just get your nerve system to recognize that movement pattern. You can work on that skill so that when you get under the bar, then you can go, right, now your body's almost prepared for that movement. 
Okay. So that's an example. And you do this, this is a considered a, a form of warm up then? Yeah. So this would be it with combined within this kind of warm up block. I almost consider it as a block. So it's like a preparation block. And all of this would be in that sort of 10 to 15 minute block. Okay. But the movement prep is the thing that looks closest to what you're about to do. But which you're, not, why, you're not going for fatigue. No. Either it be um, fatigue through heavy weight or fatigue through no. tons of reps. Exactly. You're actually, all you're trying to do here is practice the movement, feel good with the movement, yeah. get into that range yeah. um, and stop before you, you're gassed, I guess. Exactly, yeah. And, and and that will hopefully give you a bit of a light sweat and you'll be feeling good getting under it. But if you do a set of, I don't know, two to three sets of 10, 15, maybe 20 um, goblet squats, getting under the bar, albeit that you haven't done it to the point of fatigue, you should be feeling pretty damn good. Okay. I know I do. If I do goblet squats and I'll say do 20 reps, which is quite a lot, but my body can handle that because I'm used to the volume, um, I'll feel good. I feel really good because I'm like, okay, I've, I've um, kind of greased the groove. I've ingrained that movement pattern. Yeah, makes perfect so, sense. Okay. So it's just looking at what movement looks like the one you're about to do. It might be, your, your, I don't know, you, you might want to practice a bit of handstand press-ups before you do overhead press. Um, it might be you doing press-ups or yoga press-ups before going into bench press. So you're just ingraining that sort of pressing, upper body pressing movement. So Okay. And if you're doing a deadlift day, what, what would that look like? Uh, kettlebell swings. Okay. Kettlebell swings are very good. One. It depends who it is and where you're at. So I like to use a bit of a, a regression progression model. So you scale it up and down. If I've got someone that will um, come in, and this might be someone that's listening, and they're like, okay, well... I know I haven't got a very good dead, deadlift technique, then I might get you on the floor doing hip bridges because that's still you breaking at the hips and doing some some form of hip bridge, um, sorry, some sort of hip hinge. Um, but if you're a little bit more skilled and you can do deadlifts and you're like, cool, I, I know I've got deadlifts today, maybe throw in um, a set to maybe three um, rounds of kettlebell swings okay. and that'll just prime the hips. That'll get the, the blood flowing into the lower back, get the, the, glutes, get the glutes, working, the core, hamstrings. Yeah. And again, you're just priming that hip hinge movement nice. quite nicely. Okay. Makes sense. So, yeah. So we've so, done a lot of stuff, which isn't the workout yet. And people are like, yeah. come on, when am I going to actually do my stuff? But this is important because yeah. if we're going for longevity, we're going for pain-free movement and we're going for sustainable, enjoyable working out that enables you to be healthier, fitter, and more robust outside of the gym. Mm -hmm. We can't abuse the body. And going in cold to heavy lifting, if that's your MO, um, is a risky move, especially as your body gets older. So yeah. this stuff is important. And, and also the other thing is what well, I'm a big proponent, big fan of training within the hour. I hate training beyond an hour. I just don't have time. And a lot of our clients don't have time. So I get it. I'm like, if you're a parent and you're working, you got other things you want to be doing, you don't want to be, you know, if you're in your twenties and you're <clears throat> a uni student and you've got a little bit more spare time, um, maybe, yeah, you could spend an hour and a half in the gym. But let's be honest, most people can't spend an hour and a half in the gym. Or they could, but they, their missus might get pissed off at them. Yeah. Or, do you know what I mean? So, so um, this, even though it sounds like we're going slow on this, <laughs> you're factoring in that the actual training period yeah. in concert with this and any kind of closeout parts of the yeah. everything's going to get done in an If hour. we were to look at a 10,000-foot view of a, of, of a session, say, I that I'd program, I would go, right, 10 to 15 minutes block would be your preparation movement or everything that we've spoken about another 10 minute block on your main lift and then maybe uh, another block maybe two blocks on sort of supplemental work um secondary strength things like that and then if you still have time maybe a finisher and that finisher might be a five or ten minute finisher okay and that should all fit all that's fitting in one hour okay one hour. so we're we're now on to the the main lift so just to explain this you are you are 
programming on the idea that you're going to put most of your effort into a single exercise and then you're going to supplement that with a couple others. Yep. You, you'll describe that in a second. And that really is the framework of this strength training. The yep. main lift is where you put the majority of your time and that's supplemented with some other movements for you know, dealing with other body parts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that really is the core of this ex- uh, of this training session. That's going to give you, obviously, muscle development. Mm-hmm. It's going to give you strength. It's going to give you good posture. Yeah. And it's going to give you all the reasons why you want to go to the gym. Yeah. And then you supplement that with the movement beforehand and maybe some cardio afterwards. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Well, let, let, let's be honest. Like, it, the reason we go to the gym is to get stronger, get fitter, feel better. Um, and the main k- uh, KPI for that, the 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 main thing that should be focused on is the main lift within that because that's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck because it's a multi-joint movement that's going to um, elicit the greatest response in terms of adaptate, like for you to positively adapt to. So um, like a deadlift, your deadlift hits pretty much every muscle in the body um, and it's got some amazing benefits, same as a back squat. So preparing yourself for that means that you just have a greater output yeah. and you're less likely to get injured. So it's worth preparing. So that's the why behind it. It's like, okay, why? Why the main lift? Why does that matter? It's like, well, that's the that's where you get the biggest ROI. So Got it. let's prepare for that. Okay. So when it comes to the main lift, uh, typically you want to focus on movement quality first. So let's move well. So that's, I'm talking in terms of like technique. So let's get your technique and, and, and if you don't know, have a look online. Have a look online and go, what, what is a good technique for a deadlift or a squat? Maybe you get a coach. Maybe you get your friend to have a look, someone that has you know a bit of an eye for it. Or film yourself. Um, and then just focus on, on movement quality and try and solve that, that puzzle first. Once you then move congruently in a way that you know is, is, is not going to hurt you, you can then start loading that you then can start actually adding progressive overload. Progressive overload is typically where you go into the gym and you progressively overload the body with more stress and stimulus, um, which ultimately is the key. However, the problem with um, progressive overload, let's use a basic example. If you uh, run a mile every single day, eventually you'll become very, your biomechanics will become efficient. You'll become efficient at getting, shuttling the oxygen around your body it will just become very easy and therefore you burn less calories and there's not a lot going on. So what do you do? You add a mile and then you add another mile, you add another mile. All right, that's a basic way of looking at progressive overload. People take that approach in the gym. They go, okay, well, what's the basic way to work on progressive overload in gym? Well, it's add more weight, add more weight. But there's an upper limit to where you can keep adding weight to the point where your your positioning or your movement quality will then break down. So then you go, now where do I go? So progressive overload, you could do many things. You can look at, um, so let's say that you're keeping it at the same weight. You can slow down the tempo. So it's more time under tension. Slowing down the tempo on the way down, you might say, you know, three, four, five, maybe even six seconds on the lowering phase. So if That's you're doing a bench slow. press, yeah, at the moment in my program, I'm doing a six second eccentric, a lowering. Wow. Um, You've got to lower the weight to do it, right? Because that's pretty hard. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the hardest yeah. part of the lift, generally. And you, let's say you, you, so here's an example. You might have a weight that you're lifting and you go, right, I don't think I can lift anymore because my form's going to go. So what I'm going to do is at the moment, I'm lowering it for about two seconds. So next week, I'm going to lower it for three seconds. And then the week after that, I might try and lower it for four seconds. So you can add more time on attention. Got it. Another way would be skill, just getting 
better at it because you're gonna the better you get at the the skill and the movement, the less tension will or the less uh yeah, less tension that you'll have on your joints and you'll place more tension on the muscles. Um frequency. You might train three times a week. You now start training four times a week. You're now adding in a bit more frequency. So you're doing the same weight, but you might have you might be back squatting twice a week rather than once a week. Um other ways of, of progressive overload would typically be a uh, volume. Volume's a good way. So rather than lifting a certain way at three sets of 10, you start lifting at three sets of 12 and you start adding in volume where, where you can without breaking down rest. You can shorten the rest. Rest period is another one. So I just kind of wanted to highlight that there's so many methods in which you can mix up that progressive overload when it comes to the main lift. But ultimately um, you do want to see session to session, some some form of improvement. If yeah. you are effectively following not only this format, but you're following the same lift, you know, the same weights, the same output, the same workload every every time, mm -hmm. uh, one would argue that through time you'll become more efficient and yeah. you'll start to lose the benefit of that same training session. So, you know, when, you know, people go to MetaFit or um, these um, cardio-based workouts, mm -hmm. Yeah, instructor led. That's so it's only <coughs> it's only effective. And by, by effective, I mean if you want to actually want to make progress in how you look and how you feel and your overall fitness, mm -hmm. it's only effective if they become more challenging through time. Yeah. Right? If you keep doing exactly the same routine, whether it's a spin session, mm -hmm. or whether it's a cardio session or whether it's one of these instructor-led sessions, if you do exactly the same sh session with nothing being changed through time, you're going to have diminishing returns, yeah. right? So the idea what you're saying here with this, this main lift, whether it's a squat, a deadlift, or a bench press or something like that, is you want to you feel that this week's session or this day's session is slightly more taxing than it was last time. Yeah. And by that, that will be slightly heavier weight or the other things that you've just said. It's important to understand that if we are just following, if we're just going through the paces, you know, it, it that's not working out. Mm. That's just work. Yeah. Right? If you actually want to train, you have to train with the intent to it's improve. beast, yeah. yeah. And, Which and, and, is the name of your company, huh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And, and that's it. And that's kind of our message behind it because you, you'll see two opposite ends of the spectrum where you have um, training um, structure and training very, like, you have unstructured training. So structured would be doing spin every time, every session. It's the same thing over and over. The other end, you might have CrossFit. That it's a workout of the day. It's a different workout every single time. The problem with workout of the day and doing something different every time is that you can't apply the law of progressive overload because you can't Skill make the tweaks. And yeah. yeah. And, and, and if you're at the other end, like you're saying, you're not improving because you're just doing the same thing in the middle is going, okay, well, it needs to be structured enough for me to repeat it, but also I need to periodize my training over a four-week, six-week, eight-week block so that I don't get bored and I do change it and my body doesn't adapt to it as well. Yeah. So, um, well said. Yeah, so that that's important to note. Okay. Um, and then coupled with that, a good a good thing to do, you don't have how many, to do How many this. sets are we doing here? For, again, for your average person who's coming into your gym i know you're programming it and you're there so it's you know it's, it's both structured and it's led to mm -hmm. some degree because you are directing them um but how many sets are you looking for an effective response on your main lift where you are considering progressive overload we're we talking three sets something like that yeah so i i'll typically go for 
three sets if the volume's slightly higher. And what I mean by that is usually kind of like eight plus per per set. So I will look at sort of three sets there. Um, because if again, if you're if you're busy with work and you have a lot going on in your lifestyle, you need to consider the fact that you don't want to apply too much volume because then you're just going to be too sore and you might not be able to recover adequately. Um, but if the reps are lower, it depends what the goal is. If, if the, the reps are lower and you're going more for strength, which quite often we are with the main lift, I will add in more sets. So it allows for greater level of intensity so we can lift more weight for less reps, but yeah. over more sets. So that might look like what, five or six reps so you, yeah. and four or five sets of those exactly. that repeated four or five times. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you might have four sets of six and okay. then the next week or the next training block, you might have five sets of five. Um, okay. So you, there's many ways that you can mix it up, but typically um, you'll have more sets for the more strength-focused stuff. But either way, the intensity should still be high, right? So if you're yeah. doing... Uh, rep scheme of eight mm-hmm. reps, eight deadlifts or whatever it is, you want to feel that it's it's appropriately taxing you, right? Yeah. There's, there's no point of changing these parameters to the point where you're making it easier. The whole yeah. point that you're changing any of these things is that you're making it harder. Mm-hmm. So whilst the weight might be easier to get off the floor, you're going to, you're going to make it hard enough. So the intensity of that, that, that set is still like you're, you're gassed is the wrong word, but you feel there was intent behind that exercise yeah. and you are fatigued from it. You know that you're not going to, you couldn't have done another 10 more reps. So like, yeah. you know, there's maybe one or two, you worked hard, right? Yeah. You got to feel like you worked hard for you to have an effect. Exactly. So the question I had for you is if someone's trying to interpret what we're talking about and they're like, okay, I haven't got Bryn to periodize my workout. So every time I'm there, we're doing something different and mm-hmm. we're changing the rep schemes and the, the weights. How did that, how does the, the lay person think? Okay. I hear you. I need to do a main lift. I'm going to do the big, the big movements. From one week to the next, I want to be encouraged. I want to enjoy it. I don't want to hit plateaus. I just generally want to feel like I'm making progress. How are they thinking about this idea of programming themselves? Mm-hmm. Do they just go in and kind of go with the flow? And I've done three sets of eight last week. This week, I'm going to do the same, but I'm going to lift more weight. This week, I don't feel like I'm going to lift as much weight, so I'm going to do four sets, and it's going to be six reps. It's going to be slightly different. How, how, how should people think about this in layman's terms? Could one of your gym goers go to your gym and you not be there mm-hmm. and feel like they know what they're doing. Well, we like to think so. Yeah. The, I mean, the more, the more, um, advanced members. Yes, because that's the goal. We're trying to make ourselves as a coach redundant. So we're like, we want you to be able to take the tools and apply it, um, to your own life. So you can walk into any gym and feel confident and go straight out to the squat rack and be like, yeah, cool. Like I know what I'm doing, but in terms of like structuring it and knowing what they're doing, um, I mean, the thing, the thing is, well, keeping it simple and going, all right, well, I'm going to lift at a certain rep scheme for, and then you just set a, a time frame, maybe four weeks, maybe it's six weeks, um, maybe it's two weeks. You can do weekly undulating rep schemes. So, but if you structure it, let's say for four weeks, that's a really simple way of doing it. You might go, okay, for four weeks, I'm going to lift and I'm going to do three sets of eight. All right. Now, if I want to add more volume in the next block, I might go four sets of eight for an example, or you might go week one and two, that's three sets of eight. And then week three and four, I'll go four sets of eight. So just looking away. And and <coughs> if you're going for sort of six plus, you're starting to look at more of the hypertrophy muscle building um, kind of rep scheme paradigm. 
if you're going a little bit lower, you're typically going to be looking more at strength, biased and focused. So again, it depends what your goals are. But if your goals are strength, then I would just look at the the rep scheme below six. And then I would just mix up periodically between, I don't know, you can do, well, an example might be if you're doing less uh, reps per set, then you might have more sets. So if you're doing three um, reps, then you might have six sets. But if you're doing, um, let's say, six reps, you might flip that on its head and do three sets. Got does it. that make sense? No, it does make sense. I'm, I'm just trying to make sure that we leave this conversation with a, a sense that this isn't just so complicated. Therefore, the only way to do this is with a PT. Um, I think with some practical guidance, people can take take from this conversation and say, okay, I can program roughly for myself. Now, at some point, it might go, actually, I need, I need some expert input into how I'm programming. I just don't want people to think, there's no way to do this by myself yeah. because it sounds too complicated. And that's why, you, you know, you just have to keep it, keep it basic and go, you know, there's no right or wrong. I mean, you just set yourself a rep scheme and go, okay, well, I'm going to work at that rep scheme and I'm going to work at it for X amount of weeks. Now, the only thing I'd say is don't do it for too long because if you do it for 20 weeks, you're probably going to get bored and your body's probably going to be like, okay, I know exactly what's coming. So I would say four, six, maybe eight weeks, you can do a rep scheme. Um, but keep it simple. Doesn't doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we've got that main lift, and you know the the, the big focus of this discussion has been that. So we've got you, you, you kind of gassed after this. You feel like you've had a good workout in its own right. In this just one exercise, because you've really worked, you know pushed yourself hard. Um, but you're not going to stop there, right? You're going to add some extra stuff. And one, yeah. why do you add some extra stuff beyond that? Wasn't that enough? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what extra stuff should you be thinking about adding? Yeah, so I'm actually going to backpedal there a little bit because you've got fillers and act- fillers, which are basically like active rest when in between your main lift. So okay. rather, all, all I'd say here, it doesn't have to be complicated again. It's just like, okay, rather than doing a, doing your deadlift and then sitting on the bench hunched over on Instagram during your rest periods. Which might be two minutes. Which might be two minutes, right. three minutes maybe. Um, you're better off to maybe do something that's not too fatiguing because you don't want to go under the bar or do deadlifts fatigued, you might go and do something that's a filler, which could be a little bit of core work, something that's going to help support the exercise. So it might be you do a plank for 10 seconds. It might be that you do a little bit of mobility work. You might do a little bit of movement um, so that when you get under the bar again, you still feel warm and you feel good and you can work on or what I would typically do is work on any areas that I know I have restriction. So if I'm doing a back squat and I know my ankles are a little tight, I might work on my ankles as an active rest or filler in between. Okay. Um, so it's worth thinking about. Okay, you just don't what, want to fatigue yourself you during want, that time. Yeah, right? I wouldn't go and do a set of burpees and then back into a back squat because that's probably going to lead to you pulling your back out or something. Um, so fillers are some sort of active recovery work in between your sets. Okay. There's nothing wrong with standing around and resting. However, um, if you want to condense your training and as we're talking about, pain-free training and longevity, that's only going to enhance that. Love that. Okay. Um, so going on to your question then, so secondary strength and more supplemental um, exercises. Do we need to do them? Uh, you, I would I would say yes, but you don't have to do them. I feel like they are definitely, there's a place for them, 100%. So what is a secondary strength exercise? So let's say you do, um, uh, let's say you do a deadlift. Okay, and you're going for strength, you're going for low reps, heavy weight, 
Now we're going to work on a little bit more volume and a bit more time and attention, a bit more hypertrophy, muscle building. You might go and do uh, Romanian deadlifts. You might go and do, um, I don't know, some sort of, uh, let's say, some sort of valve slides where you're lying on your back and you're sliding one leg out at a time and you're just kind of hitting the muscles that you've just worked, but you're doing it in a, in a, a less skillful and less um, compound way, if that makes sense. Yeah. So a little bit more isolation now. A little bit more isolation. It, and it depends what your goal is. If if your goal is to build muscle, you might want to go and hit your arms in this phase. If it's if it's your glutes and hamstrings you want to hit, then yeah, you might want to go and do some RDLs afterwards. But ultimately, it's it's within the training week. You want to almost try and hit everything. You want to try and go right. Well, I want to hit deadlifts. I also want to get some volume through the hip hinge as well. And that's where you then go, well, my secondary mm. lift will be RDLs. Um, if you're doing bench press and you're doing flat bench press, let's say you're going for strength again, your secondary one, um, your secondary block will then be incline bench press for 10 reps or 12 reps. Um, and you're work focusing on kind of really working on time and attention versus strength. So, um, and it allows it as well as a window to get more balance as well. Say you've done a lot of pressing, that's when you can start getting in some more pulling work or more core work or attacking any areas that are a little bit weak on your body. So you might go, well, I know that my glutes are lagging or my shoulders are lagging or my upper back is lagging. All right. So my supplemental work is going to be focused around that now then, because if I get a stronger upper back and I work on my glutes, any of these areas that are lagging, next time when I go to do my deadlift, I'm going to be... Um, better at my deadlift because you brought up the lagging areas. You put more okay. muscle there and more strength. Would also be would also be right in saying that if you just stopped short of any of this stuff and you literally just done say three sets of eight or four sets of eight of a, of a deadlift or a squat or a bench press or a, a pull up, that kind of feels a little bit empty, right? That you know from a, a general kind of workout yeah. structure, even though that would be an intense three or four sets. You feel like as if I, I could and should be doing more. And yeah. this is where the gaps are filled. The gaps are filled with these secondary work. So as you say, whether it's some bicep curls or tricep extensions or as you say, some extra leg work. work. Yeah. Generally, and I, you know, I'm well trained. I know what it's like. You know, I, I train in exactly the same format. I do put most of my eggs in this basket of that first exercise. Yeah. But whilst that was intense and I'd be like, oh, that was hard. Yeah. I know there's a lot more gas in the tank, right? I might have used up. I might have trained, I might have been, you know, if you use the car analogy, I mean, I'm, I'm ragging it like 150 yeah. mile an hour to get those, you know, four sets or whatever out. But I've only used up a quarter of a tank. Mm -hmm. So I now want to use up the rest of my tank up, yeah. metaphorically, with tank. other stuff. Because I know my body's got it. It's just it can't do any more of the stuff I've just done because that's taxed. Yeah. But all these other muscles haven't been used. Or generally speaking, I've got a lot more glycogen in my muscle. I've still got energy to burn and I want to burn it. This isn't about me burning calories. It's just about me feeling like I've worked. Exactly. And it's yeah. a little bit more focused. You're like, okay, well, deadlift's kind of hitting everything. It's quite general. general but yeah. now I'm going to focus in on a specific body part or a specific movement. Uh, and the other thing I'd add as well is single leg and single arm work is great to do in the secondary strength. So you might do back squat as your main lift, which is a, a bilateral movement. And then you might go into a unilateral movement, which is walking lunges or split squat, Bulgarian split squat, something that's going to work single leg, which means that if there's yeah. a discrepancy between left and right, you're going to build or close that gap between your left and right because you're right. training single leg, which is, is awesome. How many of these would you like to do, again, within that one hour structure that you have? 
Uh, do you mean sets or how many sets, exercises? Either. Um, so I will typically have one, maybe two blocks of paired exercises. I do that more to get more volume in for efficiency. So what yeah. we call a superset. So I might say, okay, well, I did squats as my main lift. I'm then going to go do Bulgarian split squats as my secondary lift paired with maybe press-ups because I haven't done any upper body pressing yet. And then the next uh, paired exercise might be um, pull-ups to get some upper body uh, pull work in there and hit my back with an isolation exercise like bicep curls because okay. that's the body part I want to attack and work on because that's lagging for me. Okay. Makes sense. And again, many different ways to skin this cat. Yeah. Idea and is you're just trying to get sufficient work, um, sufficient um, use of the muscles on your body mm -hmm. and doing it in such a way that it's structured and you're hitting the the different rep schemes and you're working both isolation as well as compound movements. You're doing it all in this neat little structure of the training window yeah. of this workout. Yeah, okay? 100%. Um, and then, that I mean, if you have time and you want to, and depending on your goal, you might throw in a finisher at the end. So if your goal is fat loss, you might go, okay, well, I, I want to just get a little bit more of an extra calorie burn or feel like I'm getting a bit more. I'm worked. Yeah and, yeah, and and actually a lot of people, including myself, like to leave the gym, not crawling gassed. out the door, but I like to feel like I've worked, right? Yeah. And that's where the finisher can do that. But the finisher can be, again, it could be isolation work and it could be a 100 rep bicep curl, for an example. Um, um, and you do that as in as few sets as possible to get a, a good pump on or a bit of a challenge. You might do some aerobic work. So you might um, jump on uh, on a bike or you might jump on the treadmill and just do some some light work to finish for five, 10 minutes, get a bit of a sweat on. Um, what, what level of intensity are we looking at here, generally speaking? Is it whatever suits you, whatever you fancy? Or well, do you think you should be doing really high intensity stuff or be trying to wind down? How are you thinking about this last I few minutes? I try and encourage people to focus most of their training based around strength and aerobic work and then throwing in some hit training here and there. So your finisher shouldn't consist of like hit training every time. And what I mean by that is if you're doing a Tabata or 30 on, 30 off, um, every time you finish your workout, just so that you You're feel talking like about on a bike, something. right? When you go really hard for 30 seconds yeah. and then you chill out for 30. Yeah, that's or you what, could do it right. swings or slams or burpees, yeah. something that's going to get you your heart rate up. That's, that is great, but I wouldn't do that every single time because okay. high-intensity training can be quite taxing on your body. Um, and you've already just asked a lot and taken a lot from your body. You, you should have used a lot of energy, hopefully, on your main lift and your supplemental stuff. This stuff's just a little bit of a sprinkle on top now. Got it. Um, so that's where I'd focus on aerobic work mostly. So you might go and do some steady state stuff or circuit-based stuff. So it might be okay. Now you can do bodyweight squats, kettlebell swings, and press-ups. And you're going to go and do three, four, five rounds. Um or, or, or as many rounds as possible in, say, five minutes. Let's go. And okay. try and keep within that aerobic um, uh, system. And what I mean by that is that you're not bent over double gasping for, for air. You're at a state where you can maintain it. You're breathing, your heart rate's up, you're getting a good sweat on. It's taxing your aerobic system. Your heart and lungs are going, but you're not, you don't have to stop. You haven't hit that okay. lactate threshold where... You would you, would you say you've evolved in your thinking on this? Because I know that when we've done work together mm -hmm. and you've trained you've trained me and put some um, um some finishers onto mine, not all the time, in all fairness, mm -hmm. but um, you know, there was a, a few phases of our training where 
it would be quite a dominant aspect of the end of the workout where, um, you know, dead mills or Tabata type yeah. thing were were more more frequent than what you're suggesting now. Have you changed your thinking or yeah. do you just think it's based on the person we're speaking to? It's just not appropriate. Uh, no, I've definitely changed. Uh, it's still, yeah, it does depend um, who you're talking to. However, I have definitely changed my perspective on how I do this. Um, just simply because you see people getting beaten up all the time and that's yeah. how it leads to injuries and lack of motivation. Motivation as well. If you know you're going to do hard, high intensity thing at the end of every workout, you're going to leave pretty... some in the, you're going to leave some in the tank as well as opposed to going full out in yeah. the stuff that you really want to go full out. You're kind of having to hold a bit back, yeah. which is defeating the purpose, right? Well, yeah, exactly. So, and, and I mean, you well you kind of dread having this finisher at the end yeah, you go you know I what used to. yeah and you go you know what? i don't want to do this so that's kind of unmotivating but yeah. the other thing as well if you're focusing on aerobic work you're improving your aerobic capacity which which overall is improving your work capacity so you need a level of aerobic fitness when you're lifting weights and you probably know when you do a hard set your heart rate's up oh, yeah. if your fitness is not very good then you're going to struggle to recover that's why like the strong man or strong the strongman competition like eddie hall and stuff they're quite fit they're they're, mm. they're they don't look fit but their aerobic capacity their work capacities is actually phenomenal because they're having to lift lift atlas stones and having to do lift cars you can't do that if you've got a, a you can't just be strong engine yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah so that's that's kind of the other reason why i like to make sense plant that in there and focus on that okay and that's maybe five minutes is it they're about five, ten minutes end. at the end and 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 literally it is also just so that you feel like you you, you empty the tank a little so bit it might be a little bit more psychological yeah. than it is anything else as well, as well. That, I okay. mean, especially for me and a lot of our members at the gym okay lovely so um is is that it are we done are we leaving the gym now yeah, so we're leaving the gym now. Um, and I mean, all I'd say to that is, you know, expose yourself to, and, and I'm talking in the gym and outside of the gym to different movement patterns. If we're talking about longevity and um, pain, just being living pain free, uh, not doing the same things over and over. Typically, I like to lift. So I will go to more of the basic compound lifts like your squat, your deadlift, and your bench. But I know I need to expose myself to different things. That might be gymnastics. It might be, uh, it might be running. It might be um, uh, climbing, rock climbing. So just exposing myself to different things that are going to work different movement patterns. It's going to work different muscles. Um, and also from psych. Uh, psychologically that's going to help as well just because you feel like you're doing something different and it's yes. challenging you, you don't you don't want to hit the same groove the whole time because exactly. it, it, yeah you, you create too much of a groove you do want you want the freedom of movement and i think as i'm getting older i'm recognizing i need that right i, I recognize i need more chill time moving so walking like yeah. I, I used to think walking was a complete waste of time and now i look forward to it and I don't think that's just an age thing. I think it's a, I'm respecting its value yeah. of being out in nature with the sunshine, with my dog, you know, either listen to a podcast or just walk in with my own thoughts. There's value in that mm. from a movement and longevity and health perspective and a kind of mindset perspective, mindfulness perspective. At the same time, I like playing basketball just at home, but by myself, nothing too intense, but it's a completely different set of movements. I enjoy yeah. that. If I had a means to climb, I probably would climb as well, but yeah. I don't. Um, and, you know, I'll piss about with the kids and I'll go on the trampoline. Like, there is an innate part of me that knows I should be, and I and I like it. I don't always choose to do it, but I know my body likes it. And I probably yeah. know that 
our body needs it because we've evolved to be moving creatures, always moving from the moment yeah. we wake up to the moment we're asleep. And that's not intense running and lifting. That's just moving. Like just think about, you know, on the savannah or, you know, before we had houses, like you'd be waking up when the sun gets up and you'll be laboring, you know, trying to, you know, walk around, get a hunt, do this, do that. Nothing's overly intense, but it's constant. Mm. And now, because we don't do that, we have to be really purposeful with trying to load that back into our day. Exactly. And and I think that's, and this kind of bleeds now into recovery. And it's like, well, these things are good to do um, on your off days as recovery. And you should be moving as much as possible because that's how we are almost designed to move or to be is moving. And movement is our remedy quite often. Yeah. Um, think, think back uh, evolutionarily, right? Before we had chairs, before we had beds, before we had houses and cars yeah. and offices, and we are just in like the wild, right? You wouldn't imagine a Homo sapien waking up, being really lazy, just staying in until ten o'clock. There is no <laughs> in, first of all. But anyway, like you're not just going to. I'm just going to stay on this patch of grass until ten. Like the sun's up, you, you're moving. You, you have to do something with your fucking life, the right? The birds are waking, and up, you're hungry, yeah. right? Yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no food. There's no kitchen. There's no larder, right? You're gonna have to go find something. You get hungry. That's up. Anyway, so you need. As a, as a necessity, you need to find food and you need to cater for your family. And that's a full-time job, I could imagine, if you are indigenous and you don't have the modern trappings. You're moving. Just mm. imagine, would you expect, without TV, without iPhones, without, you know, books, if you'd just be sitting on your ass all day? It just would be never bored, have... It yeah. would, you, no, it would never have happened. One, you couldn't, you wouldn't, and there's a necessity, you'd have to be moving. And I just think we forget that because in today's world, I can and I do sometimes not move at all. Yeah. But like almost literally, like the movement is so sparse and I've spent all day at home and I've not really been anywhere. And that's 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 bad, right? And yeah. even if you do go to an office, but that time spent just a couple of minutes walking, then you're in the car, then you're on the tube, and then it's a couple of minutes walking, then you're in the office, you're not really moving there, and then you reverse that to get home. There's no movement in that schedule. Yeah. And therefore, we really have to be mindful that way back when we were always moving. It's it's almost scary how little you can move if you want. You can get out of your bed, go downstairs, sit on your furniture, eat breakfast, and then go to your car, sit in your car, get to work, sit at your desk, and then go and then vice exactly. versa all the exactly. way back to bed. And it's We really have to, it's, scary. It, you really have to be like, not militant, but deliberate in acknowledging that we're moving creatures, right? We are, we are solar paneled moving creatures. Mm. And the more you acknowledge that that's what we are, we should be moving and we should be in nature, you have to schedule that in because today's modern world is so easy for that to completely go out the window and and be living under artificial light the whole time. And then you're just messing up your the rhythm of your, your sleep pans. There's just so much that goes wrong when we think modernity has the solution for human health. It doesn't. And it doesn't. And you know what? This is why, again, this is kind of why I wanted to touch on this subject is because I'll get a, you, you, when you talk to people, sometimes they're like, I don't like um, running or, and, and, you know, I go to spin three times. And I, if you want exercise, you don't have to do that. Go, go and move 
there's many a th- forms in which you can move. Like go outside, go, go outside and go for a walk or go do something that you enjoy. You tasks. don't have to be a marathon runner to be healthy. No, exactly. And it's like, you don't have to do that. You can go yeah. out and just enjoy life and go for a walk and listen to a podcast or something like that because that's what your body needs at the end of the day. And actually, you're probably going to get more benefit from doing that. Yeah, um, I've, started, so, I've started to really feel that. I've started to realize that my walks are more beneficial then you know. Then, then I realized. I thought yeah. they were just a time sink. They were just a, nice to have. And now I'm realizing, like, no, no, that's that's something my body needs. And I'm going to stop resisting that innate intuition that says, just go for that walk, man. Yeah. Don't demand anything from yourself. Just go for a walk. It's a bit undulating. You know, it's hard work. Enough. It's half an hour, 40 minutes. Just yeah. go do that. You're going to feel like it's a waste of time. But in actual fact, you're doing the best thing you can for yourself. Because that, evolutionarily, is the most con- consistent thing I could mm-hmm. be doing. Run, you know, you know, pounding the the tarmac for an hour is not evolutionary consistent. That is not how humans, you know, we wouldn't be running all day. Run, there would be a sprint on maybe to try and catch something. Beyond that, you're walking. Yeah. So the more walking you do, I think the better, generally speaking. Yeah. And 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 this is where it, it we're looking at active recovery. And I'm like, you know what? Go go and be active, and that'll help you recover. And you never regret going for a walk. Actually, I mean the number one advice I give to people every day is walk. Go out and walk. Not enough people go out and walk. It's bizarre because it's so simple. So and simple. It, and, and it's it, overlooked because yeah. it's simple. All right. So listen, I know we're going to have to bring a, bring this to a close. I think that was a great session. We spoke mostly about the gym. Just to, just to confirm, you know, that pattern that you described, you spoke about some breathing drills. You spoke about some kind of way of releasing some muscle fibers with myofascial release and stretching. Um, then some activation paired with that, which is kind of priming those muscles for movement. And then you spoke about movement prep, which is a, a, a movement that looks very similar to your main lift, followed by your main lift. And we spent a lot of time talking about what that's going to look like, but it's an intent, it's um, it's structured, and you can change the rep scheme, etc., to get progressive overload, which is from one week to the next, you are making progress. You feel that you are working hard and you're getting stronger and, and healthier. And then you spoke about maybe filling that in with some some movements that kind of help with weaknesses or or just get a little bit of extra bang for your buck between those two or three minutes between those uh, sets. Then you spoke about secondary or supplemental exercises just to get some ad- additional volume and work those other parts of the body that haven't been challenged. Finish if you have time, which might be some form of cardio or some form of um, you know, um, high volume exercise or... Um, circuit that covered the gym and I know you wanted to speak about other stuff we don't really have the time to go into any of it with detail but did you want to just highlight what that kind of recovery good recovery looks like at the highest level and then maybe yeah. we can attack attack that some other time yeah sure I mean so uh, I, I mentioned earlier that training is a form of stress and knowing how much of that dose to apply that will allow you to positively adapt from it so um, the more stress that you have in your life in general, um, the less stress you can tolerate in the gym. And typically that's where things break, right? So just trying to manage your stress. And one way to do that, sleep. Sleep is so important. That's where we shut down and reboot. Um, and I know everyone bangs on about stress nowadays, but it, it, there's a reason for it. So um, setting up your routine so you can get the best night's sleep possible and making it a priority. Just like you're saying about making walking a priority it's these big rocks these basic things in life that can Mm -hmm. make a big big difference um and then you've got hydration nutrition just make sure we're hydrating make sure we're um 
and nutrition at its basic at the basic level is just trying to eat mostly unprocessed food it doesn't have to be that uncomplicated or that uh, religious um and then daily movement which we spoke about and these are kind of my big rocks i say my big rocks these are the big rocks that i talk about yeah. that everyone should be doing shouldn't be overlooking and the more dialed in and tuned in you are into these things the greater your output and capacity for training and therefore guess what you get better results as a result of that and okay. less injury and probably a, a longer happier life for it okay all right i think that was really good man thank you so much for today yeah, um, thanks for i'm me just on. trying to think if there's anything else i want to add to that um <coughs> i think the only thing to add to that is really that we are we do have this uh, we had this thread we were pulling on which is longevity and longevity could mean longevity of movement, which I think is really the principle of what we're trying to use today. But longevity for me also means that you are, you know, robust, healthy, and you can sustain a good quality of life for a long time. I don't think people want knowingly to live until they're 90, but spent the last 30 years um, degenerating and in decline, in disease. And unfortunately, that is what the super majority of people today in Western cultures experience. You know, they get to their 60s and things start dropping quite precipitously, whether it be dementia, Alzheimer's, through to, you know, cancers and heart disease and blood pressure issues. That is not a foregone conclusion. In actual fact, I think there are principles that are being showed by many, many centenarians or people in long, in long life that have shown that they can have all their faculties have strength, have muscle tone, have the ability to move, have cardiovascular health, and have that until they're no longer here. That is not inconsistent with the human biology. In actual fact, you'll find indigenous tribes and those living a ancestrally consistent life, that is what it looks like. Mm. They live until something happens and they're gone, right? You know, a restful night's sleep and they're gone, or an accident versus declining slowly into this ugly, horrible, painful existence as your body just lets go. And unfortunately, I think we're, we're so fearful of death and we're so fearful of letting people die that we want to cling on to them when they're ready to go. Mm. And I'm not saying that that can sound morbid, but I think it's really important. Like if you don't want to be having that conversation, then you need to be investing now in making sure you're not needing to have that conversation with your kids or your grandkids saying, find a way to pull the plug when I'm losing my mind. Like if you don't mm. want to lose your mind or you don't want your body to just completely, you know, just give up the ghost, albeit you're still present because that's the worst, yeah. right? Dying of a long drawn out cancer or a long drawn out, you know, path through to, uh, to Alzheimer's is, is not a nice way to go. It's a horrible way to go. And mm. I've seen people in my life die from both of those conditions and others it is horrible because they're here for 10 15 20 years degenerating declining mm. if that if that isn't the path you want to lead then investing in your body now in sustainable ways so you have a robust immune system robust cardiovascular system and you're eating unprocessed foods you're looking mm. after yourself and you're managing your stress and you're not losing all your muscle sarcopenia like if you don't want that to be your path and listening to this episode maybe once or twice and programming training as part of your life and then moving outside of the gym as a priority and getting enough sun and getting enough sleep is that's 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 the formula 
There's nothing more complicated yeah. than that. We just have to do those things. That's the most difficult part is staying true to the basic principles of being human. The more we can do that, I think the healthier people will be. And you'll start putting credits in your future bank for your future self, right? Exactly. And that is important, man, because at some point you are going to be that person, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Lovely, Bryn. Thank well, you so, man. so much for today. Uh, go and enjoy the weekend. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Take care, man. Cheers. Whoa, just before you go, I want to know two things from you, if you would be so kind. Firstly, how did you find that episode? Was it insightful? Was it practical? Has it got you thinking about things differently? If so, do us a huge favor, please, and write us up a quick review in your podcast app, whether it be on Apple or Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcast platform. And secondly, have you checked out the Be Your Best journey yet? If you haven't, that's cool, but go to adaptnation.io or click the link within the show notes and just take a look around. See how we put together the messaging as to the value of this online course and program. And if you've got any thoughts, I'd love to hear them. And if you're interested about it, then hey, there's no time like the present. Get involved. It's 100 days of personal growth and self-development. I am sure you're going to get a lot of value from it. Anyway, until next time, I'll let you crack on and be your best. If you enjoy this show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might enjoy the show. Feel free to get in touch with us via our website, adaptnation.io, or your favorite social media channel. This has been Adapt Nation. Till next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>